Welcome to Homeschool Mama Self-Care. I'm Teresa Wiedrich at CapturingTheCharmLife.com. I'm here to help you turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. If you are a homeschool mama looking for a strategy or a few for your self-care, then this is the podcast for you. Today, I get to introduce you to Rachel. Rachel is a homeschool mom of three kids. She has a daughter who is eight and two sons who are three and a half and five and a half, but are physically and developmentally almost twins. She's homeschooled them all since birth. She has a dream to change what education looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. She'd love to see that every child has a voice in their education. So today, I introduce you to Rachel. Welcome, Rachel. So it's really lovely to have you here, all the way from Ottawa. Tell me a little bit about your family, your homeschool family, your um, your life, how you got into homeschooling. So um, I've always been interested in being a stay-at-home mom and homeschooling. So that was just one of my passions right from the start. And so when my daughter was born eight years ago tomorrow, I um, just took that journey on right away. So that has continued. She has two younger brothers who are five and a half and three and a half as well. And we haven't really looked back. So what got you interested in homeschooling? Um, I guess when I was in school myself, personally, I didn't really um, have a good experience with school. Like I did well in school because I have a good memory. And that was the only reason I did well in school. Um, if I hadn't had that, I imagine I would have probably stood out more. And that was my goal in school was just to not stand out. So I didn't want that for my kids. I wanted them to be heard for who they are. So so did you know about homeschooling like when you were with your kids? Um, because I, right off the top, I didn't know anything about homeschooling. When somebody first introduced it to me when I think my daughter was in grade one, I thought it was the weirdest thing ever. So I um, had started following some blogs of longtime homeschoolers when I was like thinking about having kids. So I kind of got into that world long before I ever had kids. So it um, was pretty natural for me, I guess. It wasn't like some people now being thrown into it like they are these days. So it, it, um, it just made sense to me. Yeah, that is amazing. Your kids are lucky to have had you already thinking about that and very, obviously very child-directed education. And you're right. It seems like everybody is considering homeschooling this fall. And that is like literally no exaggeration. (laughs) As soon as COVID hit, I joked that I was, you know, suddenly a homeschool consultant. And I didn't even realize that there was such a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Well, I, you know, one thing I can say to all the new homeschool or the families that are considering homeschooling is that there are a lot of 
veteran or very engaged homeschool families that are eager to share and help other people. They are online everywhere to, sure. to provide, provide encouragement. Yeah, for sure. So I met you first on, I think yep. the thread on Facebook is Unschooling Canada, or what is the name of the Facebook thread? The Unschooling Canada Association, yeah. And so so that was the, the Facebook group that I was posting on. Are you part and of I, the Unschooling Association of Canada? I am not part of the association, no. I am just somebody who is interested in that and that was just something that Facebook popped into my life. That was kind of, I didn't know it was a thing. That was what we've been doing our whole lives, but I didn't know that was actually a thing. Isn't that <laughs> so amazing? Yeah. When, it, when it popped on Facebook, I was like, oh, okay, it has a name. <laughs> We're unschoolers. That's right. Yeah, and such varying degrees of unschooling, because I know that a lot of people will say that I'm also an unschooler, but then I think rad radical unschoolers would say, uh, no, you're clearly not. And I did in my six months of true radical unschooling. But how would you, like, it seems to me that there's a lot of different people that do a lot of different approaches in unschooling. Would you say you have a clear definition of what unschooling means? Um, if I were to try to define it, I, I think that would probably limit what it means. I, you know, as soon as you start trying to define things, it becomes you know, that thing instead of what it could mean to you. So for yeah. us, it's, you know, it's just our way of schooling. It just means we don't follow the, you know, what other people kind of associate education with today. Hey, well said. That's really good. Yeah. It, I'm doing the same thing with the word de-school lately. And I'm trying to like, how do I capture that? What is de-school? And by the yeah. way, I'm like 15 years into homeschooling and I still don't know what de-schooling is because I think the same way everybody does that's been schooled. And I'm trying to get out yeah. of the mental space of, you know, subjects. And I don't test unless somebody asks me to. And yes, they really do. And I don't give them grades, but they all assign themselves grades so that people in the public don't panic. But, you know, <laughs> I, I don't really, yeah, that's awesome. De-schooling is hard to pin down. But I think I, I want to say, and I've been encouraged by other homeschool parents that aren't um, in the coaching realm or they're not in the, um, like you, a consultant realm, but they are wanting to say to the new homeschoolers out there to de-school. And I'm like, whoa, but then I'm going to have to explain what de-school is. <laughs> have fun. That's what I'm going to say to you all. Just have fun. Don't take it too seriously. Even if um, a Global oh. Mail had an article about maybe considering this your gap year, which might mean grade four to five, it might mean grade seven to nine, but whatever, just like go easy on yourselves, slow it down, maybe observe your kids, recognize how they learn, recognize who they are, what they're about and go along with them and enjoy it. If that's not what you're doing, you should make that the focus, even though it won't always happen, but make that your focus. Yeah. Sounds like a lovely advice. So tell me, you've been homeschooling, you'd say, from the beginning. So that is eight years tomorrow. By the way, happy birthday. Yep. Yes. Tomorrow, just daughter. Yeah. So eight years homeschooling. What's your advice to those new homeschoolers? <laughs> That's a hard one. 
um, I think my strongest belief that I've come to understand is that you need to let your child's voice be heard. So we have these, you know, beliefs that we've made and we've developed over our, you know, whatever years you've been on this earth. And we have these beliefs about what education needs to be and what our kids need for their lives. And we forget that it's, it's their life. They can tell us what they might or might not need or what they might or might not enjoy. And do all you can in your power to hear their voice. Mm. So how do you practically do that? What do you, what do, you do from a day-to-day moment? Practically, it's taking time to actually hear what they're interested in. You know, it's not just, mm-hmm, that's nice. It's really being there with them, really hearing them. It's hearing them in those moments when you don't want to hear them, right? They're not talking in a way that we think is acceptable. They're still trying to tell you something mm-hmm. and letting them and hearing them in those moments too gives them the confidence that the world does care. The word will, world will hear them. I was talking with another um, podcast interview a, a few weeks back about how when I am most comfortable with myself and I don't struggle with my own sense of identity or I have a stronger sense of identity, a stronger sense of myself, then I'm also able to allow them, my kids, to be their own identity, to be themselves. And it's funny that the busier that I get or the more engaged I get in my own world and my own activities, the more I allow my kids to pursue theirs. Is that your, is that your experience? It's it's totally counterintuitive, but we're, we're told about being, you know, moms, being parents, totally counterintuitive. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that yeah. it is counterintuitive. And actually, I like you. I was one of those moms that always wanted to be a mom. And that's what I always thought I would be. I had other ideas too, but that was like an absolute baseline. And because of that, I think, I think it was easy to see that I would go into homeschooling, but it would um, become very absorbing and overwhelming. And then I'm always trying to do everything for everybody. And then I at a certain point, had a breaking point where I realized, wait, who am I? What am I about? And then I began to, you know, cultivate the things that were me. And I would say that I began to have a stronger sense of my own identity outside of my kids. And wildly, I find that I'm more attentive to my kids because or I'm more aware of my kids because I recognize them as separate, maybe. I'm not sure what that is. I would strongly agree. Um, I think also our, our kids seeing us doing stuff for ourselves, it models for them that they can follow, you know, their passions, their dreams, they can make a life that they want. And um, whenever we take time for ourselves, we, once we've recharged ourselves on, on top of that, we're also forcing ourselves to really define what's important to us, what's those really important things in our lives. And if you don't, you don't do that, you kind of get lost doing all those things that are, you know, the dishes or the 
whatever it is in your life that's easy to fill up time but is not really the most important to you. So you have those questions for yourself. It, it's easy, you know, what is most important doing in your time. It's, a, it's really helpful to prioritize. So what would you say an identity is that you have that's outside of homeschool mom? Who are you? Outside of homeschool mom, um, I think I am still learning who I am right now. I am, I guess I've been pursuing that for almost a year now. I've been pursuing kind of the whole self-care, self-improvement, learning about myself and my dreams and my passions. Um, the, one of the passions that I've been cultivating for uh, over a year now is uh, zero waste living, which is for anybody who doesn't know, it's uh, living in a way that um, it, it's not necessarily having no waste, but it's striving for as little waste in your life as possible. That is very challenging to do. I have watched that. I remember back in the day when I was planning to um, build a homestead an hour out of town, an hour out of a small town in a 500 square foot home. And I had that exact idea, like super simple living. My husband, because I'm such um, a dreamer and my husband is very much like a strategist. And he always has these like really clear ideas of how things actually could work. And he's like, we're going to have three teenage girls, <laughs> like 500 square <laughs> feet and three teenage girls. It does not sound like a good idea to me and a son too. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Sounds like a good idea to me. Anyways, turns out it, we actually built 500 per child. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's a little less than simple living, but I am very drawn to that simple living and have tried that zero waste. And that is really difficult to do. So how are you doing in it? It's, um, it's been a process. Um, I think the kids initially got very on board with it. Um, my husband, not so much. It, <laughs> we we kind of jumped on board on that one and um, he's making his suggestions known that, you know, he still wants certain things in his life and, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be, you know, my way or his way or, you know, it doesn't have to be black and white. We're kind of finding a, a middle ground. We're still working on that. So what are some principles you suggest? Like as a homeschool mom, obviously that means that you're not going to, you know, in September go buy yet another pack of Crayola crayons. <laughs> um, for, I guess for us, the child-led learning is kind of, goes very nicely with zero waste living and that you don't need a whole lot for your children to you know, to learn. They're learning by their environment. They're learning by, you know, what we're doing in life. So we don't need to go out and buy the latest whatever just because everybody else is getting it or just because it's September or just because it's school. We kind of go with what we have, what their interests are. And if there is something that they are interested in, we can still talk about, you know, 
the options, the more responsible, um, environmentally responsible choices that we can make. My daughter has a birthday tomorrow, and before we went zero waste, there was always, you know, balloons and wrapping paper and <laughs> lots of extra stuff that, you know, gets ripped and thrown in the garbage. So we've kind of worked back and forth trying to find ways that fills the needs that they have, but in more creative and, I guess, environmentally responsible ways. Well, I have two thoughts then. One is like, would you share with us some of the things that your kids like to do and how you do actually get to um, maintain those principles of zero waste? And the other idea is, um, I've often said to people that really all you need is to be able to read and have a library card, but how do you find curriculum? Actually, you know, that question, <laughs> curriculum, I know as an unschooler, maybe you don't think in curriculum. There's that thought too. We'll get there. So what are, sorry, the, the first question was what are um, some of the things my kids like to do? So my kids have very, um, some people would call it narrow interests, but we're, we're cool with that. So my oldest likes a lot of outdoor stuff. She's very nature-based. She um, loves things like bike riding and playing with friends and building stuff and collecting nature. She's also very creative. She's always making stuff. So she makes stuff with empty toilet paper rolls. She makes stuff with, you know, the cardboard boxes that everything is being shipped to us in right now. She, <laughs> she makes stuff. Their favorite game for, oh gosh, the past at least year has been taking all of our dining table chairs and flipping them on their side and putting, you know, cushions on top and making it into any sort of imaginary thing you want to make it into. <laughs> That sounds so familiar. Um, it feels like yesterday when my kids were doing that. Yep. And they'll, you know, they'll have all sorts of stories going on that can go on for hours. <laughs> so that's her. My boys are more into, you know, hands-on type things. So they love playing with wood and playing with tools and playing with ladders and playing with, <laughs> Um, lights. My middle guy is into headlamps right now because they watched a, a YouTube video. They've been watching YouTube videos about pest extermination and that guys <laughs> all have headlamps. <laughs> so he's been making his own headlamp with a flashlight and finding the best ways for it to, you know, attach to his head. And <laughs> it's all, it's all him learning but he's doing it with his own passions. So it's just really fun to watch them. So because you're following your kids' uh, interests like that, then you're not necessarily always going out to find a curriculum vendor or like a curriculum supply company, or how do you approach that sort of thing? So I've personally never looked for curriculum. I've never had any interest in looking for curriculum. 
Um, that doesn't mean that it doesn't work for some people. I know some people, they like to have that, you know, the concreteness of knowing that, you know, there's a box to check that we've done something. For me, I'm just happy to know that my kids are engaged and excited and, you know, following the things that interest them. And that's for me Thank the most I'm... important thing. Yeah. And really listening to the voice you said. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what I was going to ask you is that I think like we have these ideas of what we're supposed to have as a conventional education and certainly someone will tell us what they are. We will definitely find many ideas online. And what about what we as parents think for our kids? What is it that we value and what is it that we have as a vision for our family? And I think there's a combination of things uh, that we get to have our own vision for our family. And then we also have to listen to our specific kids in what they actually want. And they definitely voice it about the age, at least before the age of 14 or so I've found that very passionately voice their thoughts and not like you just said, always in um, the most endearing way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to hear their voices, even if it's in the ways that, you know, some people consider socially inappropriate or, you know, annoying. It might be in the moment, but it's still them communicating their needs, their wants, their desires. And I'm, I'm really happy to, to help them express that. And yes, they're not always going to stay and that way we can still build skills at the same time. Uh, I, would, I would rather that they were using their voice than hiding it like I did. So that's interesting that you say that um, you were hiding it because I was going to ask you that there's always whatever we are able to give for our kids emotionally or socially or mentally, it's because we've been able to give it to ourselves. We've been able to um, see what we needed and then we can share with our kids what they need. So are you able to tell me this story or share a little bit about why, you know, your story about hiding or your story about coming out of hiding to use your voice in your unique way? I think I'm still finding my story. My, my story probably starts from being the youngest child in a, a very busy family, uh, being in a time when children were still considered not to be seen or heard, and being in a time when being quiet and obedient was considered um, something that was very praiseworthy and I got praised for being quiet and obedient, yet in my head, I was a slow processor. So I was getting mixed messages. I was getting this message of, you're doing a great thing for not talking, but I was actually not talking because it took me more time to process all that was going on. And it was very confusing as a child, but whenever I did try to share my voice, share my internal world, it was often um, not taken 
in a way that encouraged me to use it again. Mm -hmm. And just repeated year after year after year of when I used my voice, when I told my story, it didn't get heard. And when I didn't use my voice, I was considered the good child. Mm-hmm. I was considered, you know, the, the, the model student. I was, you know, the, the kids who were talking in class were compared to me, you know, be like Rachel. She's so quiet in the back. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, I don't want to be quiet. You know, I know a Rachel that is um, not quiet. <laughs> I have birthed her. <laughs> she is lovely and vivacious and was always very animated and has her own YouTube channel that keeps growing, even though she's not always on it. Very interesting. Gentle lamb, they say, though. And I just thought she was going to uh, graduate into that. And you started that way. But yeah, that giving that voice to your children, it's interesting as a parent, I've, I've been around long enough to know that most of the time my parenting mistakes come out of me projecting onto my kids and thinking that they are, they are something or I need them to be something or that I need them to be something different. And it's really more egocentric than it is me actually really hearing who they are, what they're about and realizing they can be radically different than me and they definitely are. Um, I, I think that, you know, things like Enneagram or personality profiling things um, help me more than anybody to really recognize that my kids or my, my partner or, you know, significant people in my life, my life are just simply, like you said, processing differently, or they value different things. Um, It's been massive learning curve for me, parenting but homeschooling takes it to all new heights, <laughs> kind of like parenting on amphetamines. That really does make sense to me. So tell me how you do take care of yourself. That one has been a fairly new journey before I would say I didn't take care of myself. I am somebody who have very simple needs. I'm somebody who um, I, I mean, at heart, I'm a minimalist anyways, so I didn't really need or expect much. And, you know, the, the social story we get from society is that when you're a parent, you, you give, you give, you give, you give, and there's never anything for yourself because that's what parents do. So I, you know, absorbed that story and I did give and give and give and I guess in the past year, I have been turning that around. I've been finding who I am. I've been finding what I need. And that's really, as you were talking about before about yourself, it's really allowed me to be a better parent, be a better uh, model, be a better human, be more present in this world, to hear my children. It's 
um, I guess a journey I'm still definitely learning and working on. Me too, by the way. I think, you know, actually writing stuff, uh, writing stuff down and being the person that is giving a voice to this um, only helps me to practice doing it more. And I'm aware that, wait, I said that. So maybe I shouldn't eat so many Miss Vicky potato chips. (laughs) You know, all these things. I'm like, wait, I actually wrote that in a book. Okay, I should maybe do that. (laughs) But I think it gives voice to a lot of people because just like you said, we as homeschool moms, really just as parents anyway, we're told to give and give and give and give and give. And I, I think we know that there's truth in that. There's something good about giving and giving and giving and giving. But we're not God. We're not able to give everything to our kids. Uh, we're human beings, just like our kids are human beings. And we're imperfectly perfect like everybody else. We have to actually address what our needs are. It's not, it's not just about you know, what's the top 10 self-care things that you should do this week, one including the spa, which like I almost never have done, Um, or, you know, dark chocolate, which I literally do every night, and Netflix, which I would love to do, but I always fall asleep to. But, you know, it's not just those things. It's like actually addressing, I think, more core things like the internal challenges we have, Um, human feelings, like overwhelm or that feeling of this isn't good enough, we're not doing this good enough, or is this the right thing to do? You know, all the normal human feelings we have, but more commonly experienced as homeschool moms, there are, there are pretty strong themes that we homeschool moms experience, um, challenges, internal challenges with our kids. Would you say there is something that you're working on specifically at this point? Um, I guess I, I personally am still working through where my value, my role in this world is outside of, you know, being a parent outside of teaching my three kids outside of being a wife. I am still learning the, the, that other, that other piece that as parents, we often lose, but especially as homeschooling parents, we lose that part of we can have dreams and passions. We can have purpose in this world outside of teaching our kids. So I'm, I'm working on that one. I've been doing some, a lot of internal work. I've been working with a mentor for a while. It's slowly emerging it's definitely another another journey that i'm just beginning is there a tool that you would recommend a tool or a strategy or an approach i think doing is the most the most important thing I, i can't tell you what tool or strategy or person or thing you should talk to or listen to but if you don't just try it, if you don't go out and do something, if you don't make time for something, even if you, you have no idea what your dreams are, even if you you know spend a little time every week just thinking about, you know, when I was younger, what what interested me, what lit me up, if I, you know, could do anything I 
there was no rules in this world, what would I do? Just doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I think a long time ago, I did like this becoming you checklist. And that that is what I think, too, is if you go back to when you were eight, or when you were six, what were you doing? And I don't know why it is. But whatever that is about that time, it's usually fixed for your entire life. You're like, this is a really cool thing to do. And, you know, I was writing when I was doing, when I was six, eight, really, as soon as I started writing, I was writing, writing, uh, writing stories and writing really compelling journal pieces. Like I woke up, I made my bed, I went to the store, (laughs) stuff that would definitely, you know, get on the New York Times bestseller list. But I love doing that and I'm still doing it. So that's, that's interesting that you say that. What is it that you would do when you're about, you know, when you were really young? What lit you up? So how do you find quiet time with kids your age? That, that's a challenge because they're still at a point where they might not necessarily have access to a cereal bowl and a box of cereal in the morning. You're still addressing all the really basic things. I figure as soon as they get cereal boxes, which you're probably not doing with zero waste. So. <laughs> but as soon as, as soon as they've got a cereal box, they know where the milk is, you have a solid 10 minutes. <laughs> How do you find time? I, I think that depends on your belief about time. Time is what you make of it, right? It, it's probably not so important. Time is how do you find the energy to it? And finding the ener- energy to it is finding what your really is most important to you. So when you have something that is driving you in your life, then you just, you have to keep on moving forward. So for me, that's, that's part of it. It's also, um, I guess, redefining your belief about what you actually need for self-care or, or, you know, what you actually need to recharge yourself. So can you do things with your kids? Can you do things in small periods when you are alone on the toilet, (laughs) when you're washing the dishes, when you're cuddling together in bed with your child? Can you do things... um, in a different way than you ever thought. Just because everybody says, you know, self-care has to be going away to the spa for an hour. That doesn't mean that that's right for you. That doesn't mean that um, you have to only do the spa. For me personally, I'm not a spa person. I'm a very minimal person, as I said, but um, can you work with your kids to to make a plan for making sure that your own needs are taken care of as well as their needs? It's a, a balancing act that everybody's 
it's are taken care of and it's never going to be perfect. It's always progress. Yeah, that is the, that's true. I mean, the family life in general and our experience of parenting and how we parent, it is all perfectly messy and teaches us a whole lot. In fact, no matter how messy your grown up or growing up years are, when you become a parent, you're like, oh, okay, this was harder than I thought it was. <laughs> Same thing with homeschooling, because I, I started with this idea that we would move to Prince Edward Island, which we really did intend to do. And we would have this little farm and we'd have a screen door that would open and, you know, close as the kids ran in and out in their little white dresses and they'd chase butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> wild timing to have a child actually come in at that time Hilarious. yep yep and it's just never what you think <laughs> no life is never as expected no lots of really good memories really good as moments as, as, as soon as you let your you know own assumptions and beliefs get in the way then you've already you know you're just limited the possibilities of what life can be. Uh-huh. So what would you say to new homeschool parents right now? I mean, there's a couple more this fall. <laughs> um, what would you say to them to how do you create that time for yourself when you're saying, you know, creating time for yourself when you're with your kids? What does that practically look like? So for me, I have set my schedule up that I I'm a morning person anyway so it works for me but I like to be up before my kids that I know doesn't work for some people but that's just me finding what works for our family so I like to get up before my kids but sometimes it doesn't work sometimes you know they wake up early sometimes they have a bad dream sometimes something you know they have a tummy ache and if there's always ways that you can do stuff with them, like if I am trying to do some journaling or if I'm trying to do some meditation, we can just, you know, cuddle together. They'll sit with me and I'll, I'll do it. If I just want a little bit of, you know, quiet, I'll just say, I need, you know, one minute for quiet or let's put the song on and we'll just listen to the music and then we can go off and do what you want to do. It's asking how instead of yeah, but instead of I can't, it's asking how. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Asking how, because you're assuming that you can, and like you were saying that you have to build those boundaries sometimes with your kids, which some people think, but I can't because my child needs me or there's some demand or they're a certain age and it's an impossibility. Have there been a few unexpected challenges in your homeschool story? Um, I, I think kind of like you were telling your story of the, the image of PEI with the screen door and going out and chasing butterflies. <laughs> We all come in with those, you know, illusions of peace and calm and confidence and happiness. 
probably we all come into parenting like that, but particularly for me coming into homeschooling, that was an, an image that I had in my mind. Um, it certainly was not what the image was. <laughs> Children in general are, are messy and try your patience and they have their their own way of doing things that challenges what you've always thought. So I guess that's been one challenge just in general with parenting, but the the homeschooling, I think because I was public school educated, I came into it with my own, you know, perceptions of what schooling was, even after having read homeschool blogs for, for years. <laughs> I, I did come in with my perceptions of of what they they needed, you know, my idea of what they needed to be doing. I still had the ideas of at certain ages they have to be able to do stuff. <laughs> or um, you know, at certain times of the day <laughs> we have to be doing stuff. So that was um, certainly a challenge, just changing my own perceptions, my own beliefs about what education is and what it can be. And I wanted other parents, other, uh, more than, the more than parents, everybody see that education can be so much more than just what we have right now. It can be anything that we want it to be. Certainly is an opportunity right now for people to reimagine what education is because I mean, there's sure. yeah, so many people that are like, I don't know that I want my kids to be, you know, in the classroom the way that a lot of provinces or states are suggesting this fall. And so then they're, if they've ever had thoughts about homeschooling, they're going, Hmm, maybe could I do it? I do hear a whole lot of fear though. You know, there's incredible, like really intense level of anxiety about their kids' education. And I wish I could just like deflate it and just say, you're going to be fine. But, you know, no parent has ever really thought that just because someone said, you're going to be fine. Yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah, I'm now someone said, I'll be fine. So I'll be fine. But, you know, what do we do? How do we help them? I... I think it's, I, I don't think there's any magic bullet, any magic key. I mean, where we are right now, it was a, for you 15 years, for me, it was eight years, you know, it's been a journey and it doesn't just happen overnight. Even as much as we'd love to, you know, save everybody from those years of struggle and challenge and loneliness and judgment and they're, they're still on their own journey, but I would love to be on the journey with them. I'd love to be a guide on that journey because I've been there and I can say, you know, watch out for that mud hole. <laughs> watch out for that valley. You know, take that path. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to consider looking at this from a different way. So as much as I'd love to magically make it all better as much as I'd love to make it better for my kids I can't I can't do their journey for them either so well said like so well said really I'll try anyway 
(laughs) (laughs) So for everyone that is out there that's new to homeschooling, what would you say the self-care strategy is for them that really is the most important for their long-term homeschool satisfaction? Or maybe said a different way, what are those potholes or those, you know, messes that they might end up in that we could actually maybe point them in a different direction and say, hey, take this road? The trouble is that the potholes, the the first pothole is comparing your journey to my journey. I'm eight years on or your neighbor's journey or, you know, anybody else's journey. That's a, a really hard pothole, even comparing your own personal journey to where you want it to be. As soon as we start comparing, we, we see a gap there. And as soon as you start focusing on that gap, you forget about all the great things that are happening. So for one, you know, put your blinders on whatever you got to do. Stay focused on your own journey and stay focused on where you're going, not the space in between where you are now and where you're going. That's certainly a a very hard trap that I'm sure we all as parents (laughs) and certainly as homeschooling parents fall into. Um, The gap of forgetting yourself, that's another pitfall, you know, just giving, 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 not actually setting that intention right away that I matter, my needs matter too. I'm going to schedule myself in. I'm going to show that I am important too because as, as soon as you forget yourself, it it's so easy for time to just pass. You know, you just get stuck doing more and more and more stuff. There's always stuff. As soon as you say, no, I'm important. This is the most important thing right now is my health or my mental health or my whatever it is that you need most right now. As soon as you say that is important and you actually put that as the most important part of your day first, you're able to do so much more. You're able to be so much more present in this world. So take care of you first. Put you on the schedule first. Then everything else, it's still there. It will still be there. You're not getting rid of those things, but you will have the energy and the presence of mind to take care of those other things as they come, when they come. Those are beautiful words. Where are people able to find you online? I don't have anything yet. I'm still finding my purpose here, where I'm going. I I really would love to 
more than just guiding homeschool parents, I would really love to guide our reimagining of education. I think that's where my real passion is. I'm, I feel so, I feel so much for all the parents right now. I just want to help every single one of them. And I know there's so many people like you who are out there and putting so much work into this. And I just want to make it easier for everybody to find all those resources that are already there. And I also want to help them see that education doesn't have to be, you know, you're either in school with these crazy times or at home and, you know, your, you, your child's life is ruined because you're not a teacher. I, I want to be able to say there, there's more than just those two options. Mm -hmm. I want to actually make that a, an opportunity for everybody. Well, I know people can find you online, on Facebook, on, is it Unschool Canada or Unschooling? Can you tell Unschooling, me? Unschooling Canada Association. Unschooling Canada Association. So you definitely will see Rachel Lee on that site, on that thread. So three fun questions before we wrap up our interview. So we kind of touched on this, but if you want to add to something different, what is an identity you have that's entirely outside your homeschool mom identity? I... I'm still trying to find my identity outside of homeschool mom, outside of zero waste, outside of, um, you know, that the things that I do to take care of myself, my going running and gardening and the few things like that, I'm still growing that one. So what did you like to do when you were eight? When I was eight? I like to run. Really? And you're still running? I still run. I, I used to be a sprinter. I'm not a sprinter anymore. <laughs> but I, it's funny when you were talking about being a writer. I can remember being three. I can distinctly remember being three and not knowing how to write, but just sitting at a desk with a paper and pen and just scribbling lines upon lines upon lines of words. And I always thought that was going to be a writer. I'm getting back into getting my words out on paper. I, I stopped for a long time because it, one, my voice was, you know, trapped inside, but two, getting the voice inside my head to sound right on paper was really frustrating. So I'm, Trying that one out. So tell me what you like to do on a Friday night or what would be your typical Friday night? <laughs> oh, Friday night. People would not expect what we do on a Friday night. <laughs> so I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> we are totally unromantic people, but my husband and I, started this a couple of years ago we have a date night and this is one of those you know thinking differently reimagining how you can have a date night with little children and you know I, we were always stuck in that idea well we can't have a date night because you know our kids are young and they're they have challenges and you know nobody can take care of our kids so it just came to me one time well why can't we have a date in so we had for a long time we had 
after the kids were in bed, I would make a special meal that only we liked because there's so many meals that <laughs> we stopped making because they don't like it. So I'd make a meal only we like. And we would, you know, just sit and enjoy, enjoy dinner together. Usually there was nothing more than that. We didn't, we're not, you know, wine drinkers or anything. We didn't do more than that. We didn't even watch movies. We're not TV people. We just enjoyed a dinner that we wouldn't normally have. And we might, you know, talk a little bit and then go to bed. <laughs> and, you know, our, our, our kids are, um, you know, in this season, they're a little bit more um, dependent on our presence. So we have some with, you know, some anxiety, some pretty severe anxiety. So even me being downstairs when they're upstairs in bed has been a struggle for them. So I end up going to bed with them. So, you know, they go to bed at the same time that I do. So that became a, well, how can we, you know, have a date night if, you know, we're going to bed at the same time. So we just reimagined again. We said, okay. Well, why can't we make that special dinner one night a week? Yeah, they're not going to like it, but they can eat, you know, something else. Why can't we have a special dinner? And we'll just, yeah, they're going to interrupt us. Yeah, they're going to have, you know, spills and upsets and whatever, but we'll have a nice dinner for us and we'll talk about, you know, something that we're passionate about or interested about. And that's usually our Friday night. So we have a, at our regular dinner hour, we have a special dinner and then we carry on with our evening and we're in bed by nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the key though, is to make something that kids don't want, right? And then they won't <laughs> Fish and soup in our house. <laughs> what would you say, just as a pure fun self-care strategy, you would, even if you're not on a routine basis doing it, what would you love to do? So I've heard you're not really a spa kind of gal. No, I'm not a spa kind of gal. I, for a long time, I was just go out for a run for me just to get a little space. Um, I'm being kind of accepting more of what I need. So I was for a long time, you know, reading a lot of different ideas for self-improvement and self-care and you know everybody has their own strategy that they teach and I was like okay well I have to try that one and after a while it just didn't sit right with me and I okay well I have to try this one and I guess I've kind of gotten to a point where I'm accepting who I am and what I need and what I need is time for the words in my head to just be there so I you know, take the dog for a walk in the morning and I just let those thoughts be thought and all those feelings be felt. And that for me is a very grounding, it's very refreshing, it's very energizing for me. That's something that I have to do for me. I have, you know, lots of little moments outside of that. I've started journaling again. I've started, um, a book that I have been reading that I would recommend to anybody is Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It. It's What's the author's name? That's Kamal, uh, Kamal Rakovic. Okay. It is beautiful. 
it's really been a uh, interesting read because nobody thinks about loving themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I was just having that conversation with my husband yesterday too. So that one, that one's been allowing some space as well to to try new things out. That I'll see if I'm I'm going to keep them, but I'm I think I'm having more um, positive success with them than any of the other strategies I've tried. It's just a, a learning process. Well, thank you for joining us today. You've shared a lot of really good stuff. I'm looking forward to actually going back to edit to listen to everything. <laughs> a lot of great wisdom. So I am going to just recommend that people head on over to the Facebook Unschooling Canada thread to um, connect with other people that think similarly as you do. I hope that people are blessed by this conversation because this was this is a lot of food for thought for a lot of people. Well, thank you for all that you're doing for the, the work you're doing to encourage all of these homeschoolers. And it's something that I would, I would love to be able to do. And it's also something that I have to balance my own family's needs with. So I'm delighted that there's actually people who are doing this for a job. Yeah. Well, it's a very gratifying one because it comes from my core too, because alongside my writing life was this word all of my life because I've been so discouraged at different points in my life and had some really challenging stuff to deal with. I know that at certain points, people really need encouragement. And I genuinely believe that if someone wants to do this, they can do this. It is not without its challenges. <laughs> it is not without its challenges. And I chose my blog name, Capturing the Charmed Life, because I was idealistic and I would love to have a perfectly charmed life. <laughs> and then I decided not to change it because I think everybody wants a charmed life. And if they didn't, then they would be very sad. So if they want that charmed life, then let's turn the challenges into charms. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I'd love to hear more about who you are, so come on over to my Facebook or Instagram page, Homeschool Mama Self-Care. My goal is to equip you with self-care strategies to help you turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. If you want to learn more about my course, How to Homeschool 101, or my upcoming book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Thrive, Not Just Survive, head over to my blog, www.capturingthecharmlife.com. You'll also find the show notes and links to everything you've heard in this episode there. I hope you and your kids have a charmed week. And until next time, I hope you can turn your challenges into your charms. <laughs>